If you would be turning with me to a couple of openings in the New Testament, Philippians chapter 4 and Galatians chapter 6, Philippians 4, Galatians 6, thank you Lord. Philippians 4, are you there? In our previous sessions, we've been teaching on the basics of prosperity, or just prosperity basics. And how many know you need to keep going over the basics? You never get to the place where you don't need to hear the same basic truths over and over. And our first session, we taught on God, our provider. Amen? Everybody said out loud, God's my provider. Then we taught about God is the God of abundance. Amen. Say that out loud. God is the God of abundance. Abundance, God of excess, you could say. Thoroughly scriptural. He doesn't just fill up the cup. He does what? He runs it over. He is a cup running over. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over. Net breaking. Ship sinking. <laughs> Twelve basket left over. Too much excess God. Amen. And we talked about thirdly in our third session. We talked about honoring God. Honoring God particularly with your substance. And with your increase. Talked about a number of things there. Then uh, we talked about the prosperous soul. Amen. How that you prospering in your accounts, prospering in your pocketbook, in your purse, etc., etc., uh, does not start in the account. It starts in you, on your insides, in your heart, in your mind, your soul, your inner, uh, the way you think, the way you talk, the way you believe. You're not going to prosper outwardly till you prosper inside. Isn't that what the Lord said? Third John 2, Beloved, I wish above all things that you may prosper. And be in health, how's it going to happen? Even as your soul prospers. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Say we're prospering. I'm prospering. In fact, I'm rich. I'm rich. And getting richer. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now see, we, I don't know if you understand, but we still have a ways to go in mind renewal because a lot of people, they don't have a problem now with saying I'm healed. By stripes I'm healed. That sounds normal to them and comfortable. But people saying I'm rich, it still sounds funny to them. That means they're, huh? And yet we talked about last night that it is just as scriptural, it is just as much of the redemptive plan to say I'm healed as it is to say I'm born again or saved. And just as much a part of the redemptive plan to say I'm rich. You know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. That though he was rich, he became poor. Why? That we, through his poverty, might be made rich. Did he become poor? Yes. Have we been made rich? Yes. We are rich. Yes. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Don't, don't check your accounts. Check the Bible. Yes. We've learned not to check our body to see if we're healed. That's right. well, then we don't check our pocketbook to see if we're rich. Say it out loud, I'm rich. I'm rich. I'm rich, I'm rich, I'm rich. (laughs) 
and getting richer. All right, Philippians 4. It'll just do you a world of good to go around saying that. I'm rich. Just go around saying, look at yourself in the mirror and go, that's a rich man. Rich. Why? Because you, you got to, it's got to happen inside before it's going to happen outside. Philippians 4, you there? Wonderful passage of Scripture. And I mean, you could teach a whole seminar on just these few verses, but you're believing God with me tonight, right? Philippians 4. You know, let me give you some some instruction, and this might be beneficial to ministers as well if you haven't thought about this. Sometimes people might think, well, why don't you just get to your verse there? I mean, you've been talking around it for several minutes here. There's a reason why. I said there's a reason why. And it basically has to do with what Jesus said, that you are not to give your pearls to swine. And not give that which is holy to the dogs. And as a minister, you ought not share something in a way that is common. You ought not share it like, oh, you know, we all know this, and I'm going to throw it out again, though, just to remind you. No, no, these things are precious. They are the words of God. We ought to value them higher than any jewel or any amount of money or any possession. Amen? Amen. And uh, you, what, you, what you do as a minister... You learn that you can only give to people what they have the capacity to appreciate. I've been to places before where I was there for days. Never could get out what I had on my heart. And I said, why? Why didn't you just give it to them? Because you're not supposed to. If people don't value it, if people don't appreciate it, now you just need to know too in, in talking to your family and friends, if they don't want to hear it, you need to be quiet. Amen. Hmm? I didn't say it. Jesus said it. Don't give precious things to people who have no appreciation for them. It can actually have a negative effect. It can dull them to it. So don't do it. If, if you're trying to talk to someone, I don't care how much they need it. It's not what you see. It's not what you know. It's not what they need. It's what will they receive. And the Holy Ghost knows that. And sometimes, like out in the woods, if you're going to cut down a tree, you don't just take your chainsaw and just cut a tree necessarily. If it's, if it's around other trees, it won't fall for you. It'll get hung up in the, in the other ones. Yeah. And if you don't cut it wrong, it may fall back on your house or something. Yeah. Or on your truck. <laughs> or you. Yeah. And so uh, what you have to do sometimes is go cut, cut some of these little trees down. And deal with some of these other things. And then you get ready to lay the big tree. <laughs> Hallelujah. And you make it fall right where you want it. Boom. And Ecclesiastes says where the tree falls, that's where it lays. Now you'll have to think on that a little while. <laughs> Philippians 4, are you there? Verse 10. He said, I rejoiced in the Lord greatly. That now at the last your care of me has flourished again, wherein you were also careful, but you lacked opportunity. Now, Galatians tells us, are you holding your place in Galatians? Just turn there then. Hold both places. Galatians 6, 
And the tenth verse says, As we have therefore what? Opportunity. Opportunity. Let us do good unto all men, especially to them who are the household of faith. Watch for opportunities. Amen. Watch for opportunities to make good investments. Amen. Not, not everybody is the same caliber of soil. Not all ministers and ministries and not all churches are the same as far as the quality of soil. And, of course, the main thing is to be led by the Holy Ghost. He's not going to lead you to waste seed. And sometimes people have gotten all upset because they found out that they were supporting something. They wasn't really doing what it was supposed to have been doing. But, you know, the responsibility comes right back to the individual. If we'd pray and be led, we wouldn't sink money into something that wasn't right. He would alert us, right? But we watch for opportunities. Back to Philippians. He said, you, you were careful, but you lacked opportunity. Not that I speak in respect of want, for I have learned in whatsoever state I am. Now, therewith is added by the translators. I've learned to be content. This is not something you know automatically. This is something you learn through experience. I know both how to be abased and I know how to abound. Everywhere and in all things I'm instructed both to be full and to be hungry, to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. Our well-being, our joy should not be dependent on the numbers in our accounts. Right? Jesus is our life. And when he's got the place in your heart and life that he's supposed to have, you keep the victory no matter what's going on. Whether you got a lot, whether you got a little. We are to have a vision, but we're not to postpone our full happiness till we get that next house or that next car. Hmm? That is covetousness, which is idolatry. Don't you remember the scriptures? The New Testament tells us to be content with such things as you have. Now, some people misunderstand that. They think, well, that means you shouldn't believe for anything else. No, no, no. You can believe for a lot, but you don't, you don't wait until then before you're happy. Amen. You're content. Why? Well, you know, a couple of Rama students were talking some years ago, got back to me, and one of them was supposed to have been testifying about all the stuff he had. Really, he just kind of bragging. And this other guy, you know, just because you got stuff, we don't know that God gave it to you. There's all kind of ways to get stuff. I mean, you can get a pistol and go out here and get some stuff. That don't mean God gave it to you. You can lie and steal, defraud, and, you know, we don't know. Just because you got something, we don't know that you have faith or that God gave it to you. But uh, this guy's just going on and on about all this stuff, you know. Finally, this other fellow didn't have much he's talking to, and it really wasn't quite right. He looked at him. He said, well, he said, big deal. Your pile of ashes will be bigger than mine. (laughs) And you know it's true. I mean, I don't care what you got. Very soon, the elements of this whole earth are going to be melted with fervent heat, and it's all just going to be a pile of ashes. 
it's all right to get some enjoyment out of things, but one of the main things we are to have is to understand that we can love people and bless people with stuff. Amen. It's a tool. Money and clothes and things and vehicles, etc. It's a tool to bless people and to say in a tangible way, God cares about you. God loves you. And we do too. Amen. I mean, it, say, it says it loud. In fact, you may not have heard it this way, but the Lord said this to me. It, it surprised me when I first heard it. He said, Keith, he said, giving is the chief expression of love. Now, when I first heard it, I thought, huh, really? And then with force, John 3.16 came up in my spirit. For God so loved the world that he what? Gave. Hallelujah. Gave. Giving is the chief expression of love. If you love somebody, you want to give them something. Amen. It's not limited to money and things. The thing's more precious than money. Friendship. Hallelujah. Faithfulness. Loyalty. Praying for people. Believing God for them. That's giving them something, isn't it? Give people your time. Use your energies, your abilities, your talents for them. Thank you, Lord. If you love people. Now, you know, let me me throw this in. Uh, In the world, people don't understand what love is. What they call love is actually self-love. Let me explain. When, you know, a man and a woman. They say, you know, well, I, I love you. I need you. That's not loving them. Did you hear me? That's not love. I love you. I need you. You love what they do for you. You love how they make you feel. That's got nothing to do with loving them. And that's why when you get, you know, married people, and one of them say, well, you know, if you love me, then you'd do this for me. I need this. I have needs. And then the other person says, well, I have needs too. (laughs) Well, why don't you, why don't you do this for me? Well, why don't you do this for me? And both parties are pulling, saying, gimme, gimme, gimme. Nobody's giving anything. There's nothing to receive. That's why people fall on the rocks. And sinners are doing that. No, the divine kind of love is the love that God has loved us while we were yet sinners. (laughs) He wasn't having warm, fuzzy feelings about us because of the way we were treating him. While we were yet sinners, he loved us and paid the huge price for us. Amen. Love gives. Hallelujah. Say it out loud. I'm a giver. I love to give. In Philippians 4, let's keep reading. Verse 14. He said, notwithstanding, you've well done. That you did communicate with my affliction. Now you know. I'm I'm trusting you understand. They sent him a good offering. And that's what he's talking about. Through all these things. They sent him an offering. He said you've well done. That you did communicate with my affliction. He calls lack affliction. 
Does God deliver us out of all affliction? Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of most of them. No, them all. You Philippians know also in the beginning of the gospel, when I departed from Macedonia, no church communicated with me as concerning giving and receiving, but you only. For even in Thessalonica, you sent once and again to my necessity. Now, there were other churches that were under Paul that he had started and fathered. Why weren't they given to him? He had need. Do you suppose that God had dealt with any of the rest of them? Yeah. But you know, we need to obey God when he deals with us. You may be the only one. The, the further I go, the more I realize people don't have to obey God. And a lot of them don't. God deals with people to do things. I've seen it in our own life and ministry. I mean, all you got to do is just look in the mirror. Has God ever dealt with you and you didn't do something? Or maybe you drug your feet for a long, long time. Procrastinated, messed around, maybe never did do it. See, you don't have to obey God. But I tell you, she might say, well, man, if I'm believing God and God's dealing with somebody to do something for me and they don't have to do it, then I may come up short. No. I said no. Because God has lots of people he can use. And if he has to, he'll go through 835 to find one that'll do it. If he has to, he'll get a little dog to bring it in a paper bag. Sit it on your doorstep. He has ways. And if you'll just trust him and believe him, he'll do it. He'll do it. But people don't have to obey. And it's important that we obey when God deals with us because you might be the only one. Now in verse 16 he said, uh, notice that phrase now, no church communicated with me concerning giving and receiving. Every time you think giving, you should add the rest of that. And receiving. Every time. It's not just giving, but it's what? Giving and receiving. It's not just sowing. It's sowing and reaping. Discipline yourself to link those two together every time it comes up. Anybody says anything about giving, what do you think? Giving and receiving. Anybody says anything about sowing, you think sowing and 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 reaping. He said, verse 17, not because I desire a gift. He's already said, I've learned. Man, I keep my joy. Whether the account's full, half full, or low, I know God. My heart's in God. I know He's going to meet my needs. He said, not just because I wanted something from you, but I desire fruit that may abound to your account. But I have all and abound. I'm full, having received of Epaphroditus the things which were sent from you, an odor of a sweet smell, a sacrifice, acceptable, well-pleasing to God. Now, what's he talking about? Is he talking about an offering? Yeah. Yeah. Sweet-smelling money? Yeah. I thought it was filthy lucre. See, people, you know, need some mind renewal. 
the, the passages that talk about filthy lucre talk about, for instance, that a pastor or a minister ought not be somebody that's greedy for filthy lucre, somebody that is willing to get money through questionable yeah. means and wrong ways. But that doesn't mean that money and things is bad. You can use it for good. That's right? right? Yeah. Absolutely. And in this case, they used their money and their stuff and sent a good offering to Paul. He said, I want you to know it's a sweet smell in the nostrils of God. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. An offering. It's well pleasing to God. Verse 19, and my God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Now I want you to come back with me to this 17th verse. He said, not because I desire a gift, but I desire fruit. Did you know that money and offerings are called fruit? Fruit. In Romans, the 15th chapter. I want you to just turn back there real quickly. It's just a few pages back. Hold your place in Philippians. Go back to Romans 15. Romans 15. He's talking about bringing an offering for the poor saints at Jerusalem. Romans 15, 26. It's pleased them of Macedonia and Achaia to make a certain contribution for the poor saints which are at Jerusalem. It's pleased them verily and their debtors they are. For if the Gentiles have been made partakers of their spiritual things, their duty is also to minister unto them in carnal things or natural things. Is that a principle of God? Yep. When therefore I have performed this and have sealed to them this what? This fruit. I will come by you into Spain and I'm sure that when I come to you I will come in the fullness of the blessing of the gospel of Christ. The Lord calls natural monetary things fruit. There's a natural and a spiritual side to virtually everything we deal with. Not just one, but both. Natural and spiritual. And he said, I had some needs and nobody but you sent to me. And I'm thanking God for that. But he said, I want you to know, it's not just because I wanted something from you. I wanted fruit to abound to your account. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. What account is he talking about? Did they have an, is he talking about an account at the bank, First Bank of Philippi? But is he talking about a real account? It's, it's not just something imaginary here, a real account. Is he talking about an account in heaven? Hallelujah. Go back with me to Galatians. If they had accounts, do we have accounts? Yes. I mean, this is New Testament. God hadn't changed. In Galatians, the sixth chapter, let's begin reading in verse 6. Let him that's taught in the word communicate, that word means share, Unto him that teaches in all good things. Now that's just the same thing that we've already seen two or three times. There's a spiritual principle that you minister natural things to those that minister to you spiritual things. And he said, verse 7, be not deceived, God is not mocked. 
For whatsoever a man sows, that shall he also reap. For he that sows to his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption. But he that sows to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting. Now let's just stop here. I want you to see an angle of this that you might not have thought about. You do take this in context with the previous chapter where he talked about the works of the flesh and he talks about the fruit of the Spirit. And if you sow to the works of the flesh and you sow in sin, then you're going to reap death. Right? But he's talking, I believe, about even more than that. Just a universal principle that if you sow to the natural, you reap from the natural. And you sow to the spiritual, you reap from the spiritual. Good or bad. How many understand you could sow good or bad naturally? And you can sow good or bad spiritually. And we deal with both realms, don't we? Both realms, not just one. And we make a mistake if we put too much emphasis on one or the other because we deal with both. Both, natural and spiritual, all the time from the time we get up in the morning to the time we go to bed. It's natural realm and spiritual realm all the time. Now he goes on to say, verse 9, And let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. Now he's talking about reaping. He's talking about harvest. Right? Giving and receiving. Sowing and reaping. So he's talking about not the giving part, not the sowing part, but he's talking about the receiving part, the reaping part. And he tells us in connection with reaping not to get weary, doesn't he? And he tells us don't faint. That we will reap, we will receive. We will reap. Wonder what realms he's talking about. Both. I mean, he just got through talking about natural and spiritual. Right? You sow to the natural, you'll reap corruptible stuff. Well, we don't want any death stuff, but we do need some corruptible stuff. You know what I mean by that? Cars wear out. Houses wear out. Clothes get out. It's corruptible. It's natural. Just good for a time. But we do need some of that stuff. Right? And so we should be sowing and we should be reaping in both realms. All the time. But you see some insight here. Does it take any effort to reap? Does it? Well, let me say it like this. Is reaping always instantaneous and no effort? If it were, you would not see this. Why would he say, don't get weary? Huh? Why would he say, don't get weary in well-doing? For in due season, if it was always instant, what's this due season stuff? You know when due season is? It's almost always later than your flesh wants it to be. (laughs) When do your flesh want it? 
<laughs> now, now, right now. <laughs> so, does it take some effort on our part? Yes, it does. It must. What have we got to stay after it about? What have we got to be strong and not give up and faint over? What have we got to, to stir ourselves up and go, now don't get tired. Don't get weary. Don't get worn out. Don't, don't quit. Do we have to tell ourselves, don't quit? Yes. Why would we have to tell ourselves, don't quit? Does the farmer have to have some patience? Remember James, he talks about, you know, the, the husbandman has long patience, right? And he's waiting for the rains, and he's waiting for the harvest. I think sometimes people have the, they have the wrong idea. They think that spiritual things are you plant a seed, and boom, there it is. Well, do we do that in the natural? Do you go out and take an acorn and dig a hole and throw the acorn in there? And dash a little water and say, clear, clear, everybody out of the way. Get out of the way. Clear, clear. And the ground starts shaking and things start moving. And I mean a 40-foot oak tree comes ripping up out of the ground. Why then, why do we presume that spiritual things are that way? Because these natural things are patterned after spiritual realities. We're dealing with the spirit and the natural all the time. Spirit, and they're very similar. The principles that operated it. Why? Because all that you see and feel was created out of that realm that you cannot see and patterned after realities there. You plant your seed and then you're going to have to have some patience. Now your flesh doesn't like that word at all. But it does. I mean, the farmer, it, it does him no good to pace outside by the, by the field. If he planted that morning, there's no need him to sit out there and pace and get agitated and go, now come on, come on. Get up out of there. I ain't got all day. Through faith and patience. We inherit the promises and he gives us a word of counsel and instruction. He says, don't get weary in, in the doing well and doing right and what you're doing. Hang in there. Stay with it because in due season, it, now, now this is good news. It's not you might reap, you might not reap. In due season, you shall reap if, if you won't quit. If you won't quit. I know years ago when Phyllis and I, God was first dealing with us about the ministry and about going to Ramah. Uh, well, this is before he dealt with us about going to Ramah. We needed everything. I mean, we were broke. And we got a hold of some teaching about prosperity and that God wanted to bless you. I mean, I never heard anything like that. I thought, glory to God. God wants to give me stuff. I mean, it just was too good to be true, you thought, you know. But we worked on it and got our mind in it and, and, and understood, you know, you could claim things and sow seed and, and believe for it. Well, we're just brand spanking new in this. And so we needed everything. So we did. We got together. We said, well, look, we're going to believe God. We're going to claim money to pay the debts. And we need clothes and, and we need a car. And, and we, I mean, we needed everything. 
And so we said, we, we're going to claim a car. And so we thought, we'll claim us a good car. And then we thought, well, hey, God's a good God. Well, he's a big God. Let's claim a new car. So we thought, well, all right, we'll claim a new car. And then we thought, hey, God's a big God. Let's claim a nice new car. So, I mean, further we went, we just thought, hey, God's a big God. And so we decided before it was all over with, we're going to claim a new Buick Riviera. That's what we liked at that particular time. This is back 1980, I believe. And we're going, to, we're going to claim a new Buick Riviera. So we, we did. And we thought, well, we'll give God a little time to do it. We'll give him 30 days. <laughs> you know, because he might need a few days to get it together. So, put the car thing together. So, we did. So we joined hands and prayed, claimed all this stuff, claimed this new Buick Riviera. And uh, then we, uh, you know, went about our business. Well, one day passed, and two days, and three days, and a week passed, and no car, no stuff. Two weeks passed, and three weeks passed, and here's the fourth week, and 29th day, and nothing, and the 30th day. Well, I remember it distinctly. We got up and went to work, and... And man, every time the phone rang, I thought, hup, hup, that may be it. <laughs> Check the mail, you know. And I mean, every time somebody wants to see you, I thought, hup, hup, here, it may be it. And then got off work and came home. And I asked her and she asked me, no, no. Eight o'clock, nine o'clock, we thought, well, the day ain't over. <laughs> Ten o'clock. 11 o'clock, 1130, 1145, 1155, 59, 1201. Nothing happened. Nobody called. 1230, 1245, 1 o'clock. We didn't even discuss it. We just went to bed. And just figured it. Didn't work, you know. But thank God the Lord gave us enough sense and understanding. We didn't blame Him. We didn't blame Him. We thought, well, we just didn't know. So we just didn't talk about it for months. <laughs> and eventually the Lord helped us and we went to Raymond. I remember I was in Raymond, been there almost a year, and in prayer school one day in the floor on my face praying. And this thing came up to me, this situation that had happened a few years before. Yeah, I guess a couple of years, two or three years before. And I thought, Lord, you know, I've heard all this wonderful teaching here about faith. And as far as I understand, that was the same thing I had heard and thought before I got to Rama. I thought I was in faith. I hadn't learned anything else that would cause me to see I wasn't in faith and I guess I just don't know what faith is. Uh, help me. I'm laying there praying about it. And as I got quiet, I don't mean I heard an audible voice, but inside me, the Lord spoke to my heart. He said, uh, you were in faith. In fact, you talking about she and I, Phyllis and I, y'all were doing well for where you were at. Talking about what we knew, we were just as green as could be. I'm laying there thinking, we were in faith? 
How can that be? I got a big question then. Right? Why didn't it work? Right? Well, I don't understand that. So I just kept laying there and praying. I said, uh, Lord, I don't understand. If I was in faith, why didn't it work? He said, well, you were in faith until 1201. He said, I never told you to set a time. I never told you to put a limit. He said, you let a little mechanism with springs and hands click a few times and decided my word wasn't true. Oh, man, I was kicking myself. I was kicking myself. And while I'm laying there kicking, I think, man, that was dumb. That was so dumb. You could have used that car. You guys could have used that stuff. It would have been a good testimony. It would have encouraged your faith. And the Lord spoke to my heart again. He said, it's not too late. I thought, not too late. He said, it's not too late. Go back and pick it up. I thought, can you do that? Can you do that? Go back and pick it up. Man, I got excited. I thought, Lord, what, what are you saying? What are you saying? He said, you remember how you and she were so expectant. You, every time the phone rang, every time something happened, you were just expecting this to happen. I said, oh, yeah, you'll never forget it. He said, get back to expecting just like that. This time, don't quit. No matter how long it takes, don't quit until it comes to pass in your life. What's this scripture say? Don't get weary. Don't get weary in well-doing. Due season you'll reap if you don't fail. I went home after that. I told Phyllis what the Lord had told me. And then I said, you remember that? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I said, let's get back to expecting like we were that day. Amen. So she agreed. We got an agreement again. We began to expect. Hallelujah. And three months passed. And six months passed. And a year passed. Now we didn't, you know, we didn't even think about this thing necessarily every day. But when you did think about it, you stir yourself up. We're expecting this. Amen? Amen. And another year passed. Everybody say another year. year. And another year passed. Everybody say another year. year. And then another year passed. You see, this is what separates the men from the boys. And the girls from the women. Hmm? A lot of people can believe God for three days. Yeah. <laughs> or two weeks even. But then when it don't all come to pass right away, begin to get weary. Begin to faint. And I guess it was what? It was already right at, right at five years. Between four and five years. Like I said, didn't even think of it every day. But when we did, stir yourself up and go, yeah, we're expecting that. We're expecting that new car. Phyllis came in from work one day, said, uh, you know, guess who talked to me today? She told me, said, guess what he said? He said the Lord had dealt with him to buy us a new car. We knew he could do it. I thought, yeah, what kind? He said, any kind. Whatever kind we want. I said, well, get your purse. Let's go. 
we went to the dealerships. And you know, to be honest with you, we hadn't really thought about that Riviera thing. For some time, we were just believing for the new car. But you know where we wound up at? We looked all over the place at different stuff. We wound up at the Buick place. And there was a Buick Riviera sitting on the showroom floor. Had every bell and whistle and everything you could ever imagine on it. But it also had a big soul sign on the windshield. Well, Phyllis saw that and she thought, oh, yeah, 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 this, this is the car. We told them, well, you know, if something happens, the deal didn't go through, call us. Man, they called us the next day. And said, you know, you can have it. We went, got that thing, glory to God, tag paid for and stuff, drove it out. Hallelujah, the showroom floor. In due season, in due season, you will reap if you don't faint, if you don't quit. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. There's some things in your life you need to go back and pick it up. Go back and get it. You just wrote it off. You just thought, well, that just didn't happen. I don't know. No, the reason it didn't happen is because you said one day, I guess it just didn't happen, and you quit. But it's not too late. I said it's not too late. Let God stir you up. Let him remind you. Stir yourself up. And lay hold of it. And this time, don't quit. Don't quit. What's a year? What's two? I mean, you, things going to be happening anyway. You're going to be going long. Might as well be believing for something. Amen. Have something working for you. Coming to you. Heading to you. Glory to God. You stirred up at least a little bit. Mm, Thank you, Master. Thank you, Master. Go with me, if you would, to Matthew, the sixth chapter. Hallelujah. I'm glad I came tonight. Amen. <laughs> you know, preaching's a lot like cooking. You know, a lot of times you uh, you got something uh, stirring in you, got it on the back burner, and you cook on it and throw a little of this in it, a little of that in it, and you've been tasting on it for months. And then you bring it and share it. But, you know, like a lot of cooks, sometimes they say by the time they're ready to serve the meal, they say they ain't hungry. (laughs) That's because they've been eating all day. Take a bite of this and take a sip of this. But, oh, if it's good, you don't mind eating again and eating some more of it. And the good thing about the Word, you can just pig out. Just, I mean, and it nothing but do you good. No adverse side effects. You can't overdose on the Word of God. The more you get, the better off you are. Matthew 6, are you there? They had an account. And Paul said, by them giving offerings to him, they were, uh, the result was going to be fruit that abounded to their account. Is that still that way today? We're still living in the New Covenant, New Testament times, certainly. So do we have an account? In Matthew, the sixth chapter, Matthew 6, 19, 
Jesus is speaking here. Everybody say, I believe every word. Jesus says. Matthew 6, 19. He said, lay not up for yourselves treasures on earth. Where moth and rust doth corrupt. And see, that's that word corruptible. Everything down here is corruptible, isn't it? Everything down here, don't care how nice your car is, it'll wear out. Hmm? How nice your house is, you got to keep it up and redo things. Hmm? Clothes don't last forever. Right? Everything down here is corruptible. And he said, when you, treasures down here are corruptible, and where thieves uh, do not break through nor steal. Now, he's not saying you can't have a, uh, a savings account. He's not saying you can't have investments. But what he is saying is don't just look at natural investments. And don't be, he goes on to say, verse 21, for where your treasure is, that's where your heart is. Where you got the most invested, that's where your heart. How many saying you're not supposed to have the most invested naturally? The most is supposed to be invested spiritually in the kingdom. And you will never make a better investment than a kingdom investment. You can ne- it's not possible to get the kind of returns naturally that you can get on a kingdom investment. Now we need to have both. We live in two realms, natural and spiritual. But the kingdom is most important and the most productive. Lay not up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust doth corrupt and where thieves break through and steal. But lay up for yourself. Mm -hmm. Who? Who's this for? (laughs) Some people are afraid to even say it. Jesus said it. It's all right for you to say it. Lay up for whom? For yourselves treasures in heaven. Where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt, and where thieves do not break through nor steal. There is no such thing as a 100% sure investment in this world. People try to tell, oh, there ain't no way you can lose money on this. (laughs) Don't believe it. Now, the Lord leads you to do some things. He's leading you the right way. He's going to watch out for you. But I'm saying nothing down here is 100% Secure thieves steal. Some companies and some institutions that people think no way they could ever go under around for decades and decades. I mean, in a week something happened and they go belly up. It's happened before. It'll happen again. If we'll follow the leading of the Holy Ghost, he'll protect us. But we just need to know there's only one place where it's absolutely safe. There's only one place where it cannot be corrupted and it cannot be stolen. Hallelujah. And in this life, it's entirely possible for things to decrease in value, but that'll never happen. That'll never happen in your heavenly account. It always increases. Increases. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Go over to Mark, the 10th chapter. Said out loud while you're turning there, Mark 10, I have an account in heaven. It's my account where I lay up things for myself. 
Now that's scripture. Mark 10, are you there? This is the account where the rich young ruler, you know, came to Jesus. And he said in verse 17, Good master, what shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? He told him about keeping the commandments. Verse 20, he said, I've done all these from my youth. Verse 21, Mark 10, 21, Jesus beholding him loved him. You know, so I thought here, do you know you don't have to have everything together for the Lord to love you? Thank you. This man obviously had a problem area. It was where his money was concerned. But even before any of this came up, the Lord loved him. The Lord may not love everything about the way you think and do, but he loves you. The Lord loved him and said to him, one thing you lack. Go your way, sell whatever you have, give to the poor, and you shall have treasure in heaven. Giving... Giving to the Lord's work. Now see, we, we, we back up in, in Philippians. They were given to Paul. They were given to his, his ministry. And he said that's going to result in fruit. So they were making deposits through giving to ministries. Here he talks about giving to the poor. And he said that's also making deposits. How do we make deposits in our heavenly account? Through giving and supporting God's works, the church, the ministries, and giving to the poor as well. We're making deposits. Amen? Amen. Everybody say deposits. 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 Every time you put in an offering, you need to think, I just made a deposit. Amen. I made a deposit. Yes. Deposits. You will have treasure in heaven. And come take up the cross and follow me. He didn't do it. He was sad. He was grieved. And he missed it. Big time. Now in verse 28. Notice this. Peter began to say to him. Lo we have left all. And followed you. We did what this young man didn't do. And Jesus answered and said verily. I say to you there's no man. That has left house, our brothers, our sisters, our father, our mother, our wife, our children, our lands, for my sake, and the gospels. But he shall receive a hundredfold now, when? When? Now, in this time, houses, brothers, sisters, mothers, children, lands, with persecutions. Not everybody's going to be happy that you prosper. I wish I could tell you. You know, I'm, I'm beginning to learn some of these things myself. We sow and sow and believe and sow bigger and sow more and stand and stand and believe. And good things happen and you want to shout and run and go tell everybody. But oh man, people don't always like it. I've been persecuted for preaching prosperity. I've been persecuted for having stuff and telling that God gave it to me. And you will be too. But that's all right. There'll be grace to take it. Deal with it. Not let it bother you. And just make up your mind. I got to be blessed because I got to be a blessing. How can you give when you don't have? Hmm? 
Hallelujah. And just keep sowing and believing and sowing and believing and standing. And watch out. You'll wind up and be in a position to bail out or to help the very people that talked about you, made fun of you. That's all right. You just keep doing it. Stand. Now notice the conditions of this is that you leave something or you let it go. Now, I know Phyllis and I, and I know your pastors did. When they made the decision to go to Raymond, the decision to go into the ministry, you had to leave some things. I know Phyllis and I did. We both had jobs. We had a certain amount of security. We had, uh, my grandparents wanted to give me property, give us lands. I had a hot rod that I had just completed (laughs) that I really liked. And just a number of things. I had a good dog. (laughs) That's right. Had a Doberman that was, he was the stuff, man. I mean, he was my dog. And just a number of things. And we loaded up our little truck and we left everything. And didn't look back. Wound up selling that little car for parts. I just turned my back on it. Because it was taking up my time. Hmm? Now that doesn't just apply to people in the ministry. Did Jesus tell us all, you know, in so many words, turn loose of everything, take up your cross, follow me. Is that right? Be willing to leave anything. Be willing. And I mean, every time that you give an offering, you're letting it go. Right? You could hold on to it. But if it's for the Lord's sake and his things and his kingdom and you're turning it loose and letting it go. Amen. Dying to it. Letting it die to you. Letting the seed fall into the ground and die. Scripture says it will bring forth much fruit. Everybody's got to be that way. If you're going to have the fullness. And somebody said, what would have happened if that young man had done that? Just exactly what he told them. The Lord's no respect of persons. What he's telling them, it will happen for them, would have happened for that rich young ruler. What would have happened to him? He would have laid up immense treasure in heaven. He would have walked away and left all that and followed the Lord. And he would have in his time reaped manyfold. Hallelujah. A multiplication of what he sowed. Can you say amen? amen? Now here's something that's very significant. Many, through religious thinking and tradition, have inserted a phrase into verse 21 that is not there, but every time they read it, in their head, it's there. And that is this, they think Jesus said, Jesus beheld him, verse 21, and loved him, and said, one thing you lack, go your way, sell whatever you have, and give to the poor, and you shall have treasure in heaven, where thou canst not touch it, till thou diest. Is that there? No. Would there be any reason to think that making deposits in our heavenly account would have benefits in the here and now. Well, just read the verse we just read in verse 29 and 30. The things that you turn loose to follow the Lord. The things that you turn loose to let go into the kingdom of God. Verse 30, he shall receive. And hundredfold now, 
Now. Everybody say now. 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 Well, see, if that rich young ruler had done that, if he had went and, and liquidated what he had and distributed it to the poor, he would have made big deposits in his heavenly account. Would it have been so to him that he would have reaped manifold now in his time? It's got to be that way. That's what Jesus said. Now in this time, houses, brothers, sisters, mothers, children, land with persecutions and in the world to come, eternal life. Both realms, both times, both dimensions. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Does our heavenly account benefit us now? Does it benefit us later? Now and later. You can't beat that. You can't beat that. Hallelujah. Can you see where different groups have made mistakes of trying to make it all later? And then some have come along and tried to make it all now. Both of them's wrong. We don't have to choose. We get it all. Hallelujah. We get benefits now and we get benefits later. Later. Glory to God. First Timothy. Fourth chapter, please. First Timothy. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Let's go back to Luke. Over to Luke on your way to First Timothy. Luke 12 and 16. Jesus spoke a parable to them and said, The ground of a certain rich man brought forth plentifully. And he thought within himself. So he didn't hear from God about this, right? This is just something that was happening in himself. And he said, what shall I do? Because I have no room where to bestow my fruits. He said, this will I do. I will pull down my barns and build greater. And there will I bestow all my fruits and my goods. And I will say to my soul, soul, you... Have much goods laid up for many years. Take your ease. Eat, drink, be merry. What's this full of? I, 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 I. That's a big problem, isn't it? Is that, is that love? What does love want to do? Love says, man, I got a big harvest coming in here. I can bless some people. I can do something for some people. I can do something for the church. I can do something for some ministries. Watch out. Here comes some blessings. But no, he just said, i got to store this up for myself. Verse 20, God said, you fool. Fool. Tonight, your soul's required of you. And then who are all those things going to be that you, you provided? Yeah, you laid it up, but you ain't going to spend it. So it is. So is he that lays up treasure for himself. And is not rich toward God. Prosperity is not just having money and stuff. I'm talking about the prosperity of God. Do you understand that there are people that are multi-billionaires that are so miserable they don't want to live? They contemplate suicide all the time. They got everything money can buy. Nothing that they want materially that they can't get at the snap of a finger. And they're miserable. Miserable. 
The prosperity of God is having peace of mind and joy in your soul and having stuff and being able to enjoy it. And being able to be a blessing and bless others and cause them enjoyment. That's real prosperity. Rich in God. And he goes on to say, skip down to the 31st verse, that same chapter, Luke 12, 31. Seek ye the kingdom of God, and all these things will be added to you. Fear not, little flock. It's your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. So, sell what you have. Give alms, he's talking about, to the poor. And provide yourself bags which wax not old, a treasure in the heavens that faileth not, where no thief approaches, neither moth corrupteth, because where your treasure is, that's where your heart will be also. Have you got an account in heaven? Anybody got an account? Have you been a giver? Anybody in here given? Last year did you give? Year before? Five years ago? Ten years ago? You've been telling me you've been making deposits? Some of you for decades? Making deposits? Deposits? For decades? You must have a lot in there. Wonder what's in there. Does it benefit you now, though? That's weak. And that is where the problem is. That's right where the problem is. Go with me to Luke 19. I won't read the whole thing, but you remember that Zacchaeus stood up and said, I'm going to give half of my goods. Remember that? And the Lord told him salvation was come to his house. Because he had been really greedy and, and defrauded people. He did. And I mean, you, you can tell something happened in his heart. For him to stand up and say, I'm going to give half of everything I got away. He must have got to God. And uh, Jesus immediately tells this, this story, this parable Comparative, and he talks about the, the, the nobleman, verse 12, that went to the far country and received for himself a kingdom and distributed to his servants ten pounds, which is a certain amount of money each, and said, Occupy till I come. The Greek literally says, Trade till I come. And you remember that after he had been gone for a long time, he came back and he got an audience with each one of them to know how much, verse 15 says, every man had gained by trading. Everybody say trading. And the first one came and said, I took your pound and I invested it in certain things and I have, uh, I have multiplied it by ten. And what did the Lord say? Well done. Good servant. You've been faithful in a very little. Have authority over ten cities. Second came and said, I turned your pound into five. Through trading. Through investing. And he said, all right. You know, in other words, well done. Good and faithful servant. You be over five cities. Another one came and said, I took your pound and I laid it up in a napkin. Because I was afraid. Because I know you're a hard man. And you take up what you didn't lay down. And reap what you didn't sow. He said, out of your own mouth I'm going to judge you, wicked servant. 
You knew I was a hard man, did you? Taking up what I laid down and reaping what I didn't sow. Why then didn't you at least deposit my money in the bank? Did you hear that? Why didn't you at least give the money to the bank that at my coming I might have required my own with interest? And he said to them, take it from him, take that pound and give it to the one that has ten. And they said, Lord, he's got ten pounds already. But he says, I want you to know everyone that has shall be given. And from him that hath not, even that he has will be taken away. Everybody say spiritual Spiritual. and natural. We're to make deposits. So we're to make investments. We're to make deposits. How? Naturally and spiritually. Both ways. And we're supposed to be believing God for increase. Amen? All the time. I mean, would God tell us this and we're to think this way naturally and not think this way spiritually? Is He telling us that we're supposed to be good stewards and we're supposed to be on the ball and and when He gives us resources, not just let it lay around and do nothing. I mean, get on the stick. Invest it. At least be making some interest. Nothing else. Just put a CD and and get something from the bank. Have it working. Do something. And then is He going to tell us that we make all these deposits in His heavenly account and get nothing? No. I don't think so. Go to 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians, 1 Timothy. 2 Corinthians 9. And 1 Timothy 4. 2 Corinthians 9. You know the whole passage here. You've heard it many, many times. Verse 6, he that sows sparingly, he that deposits and invests sparingly, what's going to happen? He's going to reap sparingly. He that sows bountifully invests heavily. What's going to happen to him? He's going to reap heavily, bountifully. Every man, according as he hears an audible voice, And God tells him in a vision, no, No. you don't have to hear an audible voice. When you say a good thing, you can jump on it. it. Did you hear me? Hmm? Now look at verse 10. He that ministers seed to the sower, both minister bread for your food, that's stuff you eat here and now, and multiply. Not not addition. Multiply. Multiply. Multiplies your seed sown and increases the what? That's the same word used in Philippians 4. Same word used in Romans 15. That fruit, fruit, fruit may abound to your account. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You might say, well, I I got nothing. God will give you starter money. Starter money. You might say, oh, I'm seeing it. I'm seeing it. The kingdom of God is such an investment. I'm seeing it. I just wish I could get in on it. God will give you your first investment. He gives seed to the sower. 
right here, right now in this place. I don't care how broke you are. I don't care how in debt you are. You can say, God, I want some seed. Give me some seed, please. I'm asking you, give me some seed. You said you'd do it. Give me something to make an investment in. Just as sure as you're sitting here and God's sitting on the throne, he'll get it to you. He'll get it to you. Now, don't be foolish and just eat it when it comes. Do what you said you're going to do with it. Invest it. This is the key to your future. There is no prosperity without investments. There is no harvest without sowing. And it's not just spiritually. It's not just naturally. It's both. I said both. We need to make investments both spiritually and naturally. Both. Listen to this. He said, he that ministers seed to the sower ministers bread for your food, multiplies your seed sown, and increases the fruits of your righteousness, being enriched in everything to all bountifulness, which causes through us thanksgiving to God. Now listen to the Williams. He says he multiplies your seed sown. He increases the fruits of your righteousness. In every way you will grow richer and richer so as to give with perfect liberality. Why? Because you're investing. You will be made rich in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. NIV says. All right, go to First, first Timothy where you're holding your place. We're, we're closing here, I think. Do you have an account? Yes. Have you been given? Yes. Didn't wonder if you have anything in there. Yes. Is it just been sitting there, just exactly what you put in? Or is God the multiplier? Is He the multiplier? Multiplier. Multiplier. Man, things start getting big when you start multiplying them times 5, times 10, times 20, times 60, or 100, or what? Hey, it starts getting big. Quick. Have your deposits been multiplying? Multiplying. Wonder how much you got in there. Wonder if it would be enough to pay off all your debts. Wonder if it'd be enough to, uh, you know, buy a new place. Wonder if it'd be enough to write a big check to the church. Huh? Then, then what are we going to do about it? Here we go. 1 Timothy 4. 4 8. Bodily exercise profits nothing. Some people think that it's, it's nothing. It's a lot more profitable than just plopping down in front of the TV with a potato chip bag. It profits little. The margin says for a little time. It only profits you while you're in this body, but that's a while. But godliness, exercising yourself in the things of God, is profitable unto all things, having promise of the life that what? Of the life that now is and of that which is to come. Getting involved in the things of God. When does it benefit you? Here and now. Life that now is. In this life. And. And. 
in the life that is to come. Now in the 6th chapter, here's the key. 6th chapter, 1 Timothy 6, 12. Fight the good fight of faith. wonder if faith's got something to do with this. It takes faith to make deposits. And it takes faith to make withdrawals. Fight the good fight of faith and do what? Lay hold on eternal life. The rich young ruler, when he came to Jesus, he asked him about eternal life. And the Lord started talking to him about laying up treasure in heaven. Hmm? And when they said, well, when the disciples said, well, we did that. We walked away from everything. He told them they'd reap many fold now in this life and in the life to come. Eternal life. When do we lay hold on eternal life? You don't wait till you die to lay hold on eternal life. We're laying hold on eternal life here and now. We're enjoying the first fruits of our inheritance now here in this life. And there's a lot in the life to come. He said in verse 18 and 19, he said that rich people should do good works, be rich in good works, ready to distribute, willing to communicate, laying up in store for who? For themselves a good foundation against the time to come that they may what? Lay Lay hold. Everybody say lay hold. Lay hold. Lay hold. Lay hold. On eternal life. You already understand the faith principle. What things serve you desire when you pray, do what? Believe that you receive. Giving and receiving. Believe that you receive. The, the Greek there literally says, believe that you take it. And you shall have it. Now what would you think about a man or a woman that worked a good job? They made good money. Maybe not at first, but over the years they were promoted and they made better and they made better and they made better. And they were not wasteful and they were not foolish. They had them a certain amount that they lived on and then they deposited the rest in their bank every week. Week after week they made a good deposit. Week after week, good deposit. And it's accruing interest and growing in there every week, week after week. You come by, you see them. You notice that year after year, they drive the same old car. Year after year, they wear the same wore out clothes. Year after year, they live in the same shack and it's just getting worse. Five years pass. Ten years pass. Fifteen years pass. Twenty years pass. House is falling in. Car's a piece of junk. They look terrible. You come by and they're sitting out on their broken front step. And they're crying their eyes out. And you say, what's wrong, man? I just don't understand it. I work hard. And I'm not wasteful. I make deposits all the time. And I got nothing. I mean, I want a new car. And all I got is this old piece of junk. I want to I fix my house up and I got, I, I got no money. You say, well, hold up. What? You've been working this good job all these years. Yeah. You just spend all that money? No. I make deposits every week when I get paid. You do? Yes, I do. Every week. I don't think I've ever gone a week in these 20 years. Didn't make a good deposit. Well, then you must have some money in there. I better have. 
Well, why don't you withdraw some of that out of there and buy you a new car? They look at you and go, oh, now, I believe in giving, but I don't believe in withdrawals. I don't, I don't believe in withdrawing. The bank knows I have needs. They, they ought to know. They know. What? No, you're going to have to draw some out. No, I don't believe in that. I just believe you ought to deposit and just leave it up to the bank. Whatever they want to send you. Does it work that way in the natural? Why do we presume that it works that way spiritually when the Lord's given us the same terminology, accounts, sowing? If the farmer plants a crop and God rains on it and gives him a big bumper crop and you come by and he's sitting out on his porch crying, you say, what's wrong? You say, man, I, I got bills I need to pay and kids need new shoes and... Roof needs to be fixed. And I said, well, man, I thought you had a bumper crop this year. He said, I, I was supposed to. Well, ain't you been out to the field? Well, what if he sits there and waits for the harvest to come in out the field by itself? Is it going to jump off the stalk and march into the barn by itself? Is reaping automatic and requires no effort from the man in the natural? Why then do we presume or assume that it's that way spiritually when the Lord's given us exactly the natural things to explain to us the spiritual? Do we have a responsibility in the sowing? Do we have a responsibility in the reaping? Do we have a responsibility in making deposits? Then who are we waiting on to make a withdrawal? Hmm? This is what we've got to learn. Brother Hagin said years ago that he was struggling in his finances, praying and begging God to help him some way, and eventually some way, somehow, they'd make it through. But he, he set himself aside and just fasted for three days and sought the Lord about it. And the Lord told him, among other things, he said, quit praying about money like you've been praying. He said, the money you need is in this realm. Claim what you need. Did you hear that? Does that sound like laying hold of something with your faith? Claim what you need out of this world system. If it's a thousand, if it's ten thousand, if it's a hundred thousand, claim it. Say, I claim a hundred thousand out of this world system. And then say, Satan, take your hands off of my money. And then say, ministering spirits, go and cause that money to come in. That sounds like laying hold of something. That sounds like reaping something in. That sounds like making a withdrawal. Hallelujah. Obey God as he leads you. 
He has through the years, many of you, he'll continue to make deposits into the church and into ministries and, and to the poor and to your brothers and sisters in Christ and what you're doing. He's setting you up for the future. He's setting you up for time to come. And that's sitting there accruing and developing and multiplying. And then you come up on anything. Now listen to the anything that you need or want. Anything. Anything. Anything that you need or want. If you've been faithful to be a giver, you know there's more than enough. More than enough sitting in that account. He meets our needs according to his riches in glory. Riches in glory by Christ Jesus. And what you do, you don't have to make a big fanfare about it. You just stand up and say, I'm a tither. I'm a giver. I've been making deposits for years. And me, my kids want one of these. And my husband wants one of these. My wife wants one of these. We want one of these. We claim one. In the name of Jesus, I claim one of these. Or I claim enough to buy one or whatever the case might be. Satan, take your hands off of that in this world system. I claim it out of the world system. Go, ministering spirits. Cause it to come in. And what do you do? Don't get weary. Stand and expect and believe. And if a year passes, don't be moved. Stand and expect and believe, and you will in due season. You shall, Jesus said it. The Holy Ghost said it. You shall reap. You shall. It'll come in. It'll happen for you. Hallelujah. God will wake up people in the nighttime and they'll see your face and they'll have to send a check to you in the mail. He'll deal with people. They'll come over and knock on your door and go, can I sit down and talk to you for a minute? <laughs> You'll say, yeah, come on in. And they'll say, I, this ain't none of my business, but do you owe any money on your car? Do you owe any money on your car? And you say, well, yeah, if you do, well, the Lord's dealt with me to pay that off for you. Does that really happen? Happen for me. God's used us to do it for other people, and he's used other people to do it for us. It happens for people that believe. You keep standing and believing and standing and believing and don't get weary and don't faint. Somebody pick up the phone and say, uh, what's your account number? You say, well, what do you need to know? Uh, the Lord has dealt with me to wire you a large amount. Hmm? Some folk are not excited enough about this one because it's not real to you. You're thinking, yeah, great, great, great. No, if you make a withdrawal in the spirit, it's got to come in the natural. God's going to use somebody. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Stand up on your feet, say it out loud. I'm a reaper. I'm a reaper. I make deposits. And withdrawals, investments, and withdrawals. I'm a sower and a reaper. I'm a giver and a receiver. Hallelujah! Hallelujah! We got a lot of reaping to do. Just like the Israelites, God gave them the promised land, but they had to take it. I said they had to take it. That first generation didn't enjoy it. They stayed out there and perished because they didn't have the faith to take it. You have accounts. I'm going to say, I don't have time to teach on this, but a number of you, 
Your mothers, your grandmothers, your grandfathers, your forefathers sowed and gave, but they had no revelation on reaping. They're enjoying some of their eternal reward now. But the natural reward that they didn't reap belongs to you and to your descendants. So where'd you get all that? Jesus said, others have labored and you're entering in to the fruits. There's that word again. Fruits of their labors. I'm telling you what, we need to believe God for a revelation of reaping. 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 Hallelujah. And it's through the reaping of these natural things and material things that we're able to help reap the harvest. The big harvest. Hallelujah. The harvest of souls. It's all connected. How many believe we're living in the last days? Then it's the days of harvest. I said it's the days of harvest. There's got to be natural harvest and spiritual harvest. There's got to be material harvest and soul harvest. There's got to be both. And who's going to do it? Who's God going to use? It's not going to be somebody different from you. It's people just like you. Just like me. Just like us. Said out loud, I'm a reaper. I'm a reaper. I'm as good at reaping as I am sowing. I'm as good at withdrawing as I am at depositing. I will make large withdrawals. I will claim based on my heavenly account. Of this world system, large amounts, more than enough to meet every need, and every day of my life, I will always have all sufficiency in all things and abound to every good work. I'm rich. I'm rich. I'm rich, 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 and getting richer. Hallelujah. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.